So hello, I'm Kristen. I'm Dana. Welcome to the darker side of life. Thank you for joining us. We're coming back. Usually it's you that introduces yourself first. It kind of is, isn't that it? Felt, that felt weird. Did it feel weird? That felt weird. I feel weird introducing myself always because I say my name country still, I think. I st- I, I, it's awkward for me to say my own name. You're never going to not say a country because you're country. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. Okay. Who put Bella down the witch elm? <gasps> I love this story. <laughs> you guessed it. I do. I love this story. Yeah. So you know the story. Yeah, I'm familiar with it because I've heard um, like other podcasts and stuff talk mm-hmm. about it. But I want to hear you tell it because you'll probably have something like some see. more to say about it. Yeah. Which, by the way, my boyfriend's dad was listening to an episode of our podcast mm-hmm. recently, and when I come home, he's like, "That girl you do the podcast with." He's from North Carolina, so he's even more country than I am. He's like, "That girl you do that podcast with." Like, what's her name? And I'm like, Chris. And he's like, she researches her stuff really good. Oh, yay. <laughs> Thanks, Claude. Maybe I shouldn't not do the accent. I don't know. But, but <laughs> no, yeah. So, yeah, my boyfriend's dad said that he really enjoys, like, your research and yay. stuff. And you really, you really research your topics really good. Claude, this one's for That's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I am going to talk about who put Bella down the witch elm. And if you haven't heard the story, it's a cool one. Um So this is a mystery that is over 75 years old, and the explanations of it kind of cover every end of the spectrum. So it all started on April 18th, 1943, in Hagley Woods in Worcestershire. (laughs) Like the sauce? (laughs) Like the sauce, I guess. Worcestershire. I say Worcestershire. Worcestershire. I guess it would be Worcestershire. Worcestershire? I I think it's Worcestershire. Worch, worch, that is. I mean, if you if you like look at the American parts of the word, one. it's like Worcestershire, but I say Worcestershire because I think that's I don't know how, how to do pronounced. it. Worcestershire, yeah, I think that's not American- even a word. <laughs> that's not even a word. <laughs> do not take pronunciation from me ever. <laughs> no, I I think the American way is say Worcestershire, which I think it's just. Worcestershire? Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Lee and Perrins. We call it Lee and Perrins. <laughs> okay, in England. This started in England. There was a group of four boys, Bob Hart, Tom Willits, Fred Payne, and Bob Farmer. They Bob, were in ha- wait, Bob, Fred, Tom, and Bob? Bob again? Bob Hart, Tom Willits, Fred Payne, and Bob Farmer. Oh, okay. If that's wrong, if I wrote that wrong, I apologize. But <laughs> no, I was just like, you have like yeah, Bob, Bob, Tom, Fred, another Bob. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Tom, these Dickery. aren't real names. <laughs> but you have last um, names. So they're yes. legit. They were in Hagley Woods on the grounds of Hagley Estate, which was owned by someone named Lord Cobham, C O B H A M, Lord Cobham. And obviously the boys were trespassing at this time and shouldn't have been there, but they're all teenagers. And at that age, it was kind of just like, we can do what we want. Nothing's going to happen, whatever. But also this was in the middle of World War II. So it Mm. was probably also probably an escape for them, just like something to do, something to kind of get away from the constant bombings that were happening in their hometown of Birmingham. So, and they also did have a practical reason for being there. So because it's wartime, there's not a lot of extra food for families. Like food is rationed. They don't have a lot of extra food to eat. So the boys were actually hoping to find 
some kind of food in the woods, like maybe a rabbit, maybe a bird, something that they could find to bring home to their families. And Bob Farmer was the boy who saw the witch elm, which is a common type of tree for this area, and which is spelled W-Y-C-H. And it can mean something like very pliant or supple, like something that's easily bent. Like flexible. Yes, very flexible. It doesn't actually refer to witches. And apparently witches, I read, actually shunned elm trees. I don't really know why. That was just a note that I read. Yeah, they didn't like elm trees, apparently. I figured that they would like, like all trees because, you know, nature and stuff. You would think, but um, we're not, we're not witches, but if you are, please tell us what you think about elm trees or if that was just something that I read <laughs> that you was heard that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is said that um, elms are actually kind of seen to be representations of death and transition to the underworld and their wood was actually used to make coffins because of how durable it was and how easy it was to work with so that's just a little side piece of information so bob farmer who found the witch elm he climbed up into the tree and looked inside of its hollow trunk so i kind of this picture of like this big tree and then like you look down onto the inside and it's kind of hollowed out in the center and he saw something white that caught his eye and at first he thought it was a giant egg so he's like sweet a giant a egg giant, yeah a giant egg he's like sweet how like big was this egg. thing it was pretty big but he thought he hit the jackpot because he's like hey there's so, like here's a giant egg i can bring this home for food um he did see that it wasn't the normal color of an egg but was like trying to get it free he finally lodged it free and he pulled up a skull So not an egg. It was a skull. And at first he thought it was an animal skull until he saw the clump of long hair that was attached to the side of the skull. And then Mm -hmm. when he like looked at the front, he saw a set of crooked human teeth. So obviously he realized this is not an animal skull. All the boys flipped out. They put the skull back down into the tree and they ran away and they swore they were never going to tell anybody about it because they could get in trouble for it if they told somebody we were trespassing we found this they're young boys they're teenagers they're probably thinking we're just not going to say anything because we don't want to get in trouble or you think that the guy that owned the estate like did something and if it was on his land and it's like we're not going to mess with the guy with all the money and the big Mm -hmm. castle probably where he lives i don't know if it's a big castle or not but (laughs) that question comes up for me later but i'll get to that okay good so um Tom Willits, one of the members of the group, he was 17 at the time. He couldn't stop thinking about the skull in Hagley Woods in the Witch Elm. So he ended up telling his parents, who obviously went to the police. The police went out to the woods and they found the elm tree. And they pulled out more than just a skull when they got down in there. They found a whole human skeleton. The skeleton also had on a gold wedding ring that was still on the finger, one shoe, and some pieces of clothing, but also the skeleton was missing its right hand, and that was found later away from the tree, buried. Hmm. I've heard some people say it was fully intact. I've heard some people say it was in pieces, but it was buried. What do they mean by fully intact? Like skin and stuff still on it because it wouldn't have decomposed? Or like the bones are still put together? Yeah, there's not skin. Like it's bones. So... right. Well, if there was a wedding ring on one finger, it wasn't like a robbery. So there was a forensic exam that was done by Professor James Webster. 
He determined that the skeleton was female based on her bones, as well as evidence that she had given birth. I know you can look at like the pelvic. Yeah, the pelvic muscles or pelvic muscles, (laughs) pelvic bones. Pelvic bone. um, And you can tell like female and male have a very distinct shape of their own. And also there was evidence she had given birth. I think things widen when that happens. So there was evidence that she'd given birth. He placed her time of death about 18 months prior to the skeleton being found which would place it about October 1941. He also concluded that she was about 35 years old and five feet tall. He did think it was murder, and he is quoted as saying, I cannot imagine a woman accidentally slipping in there. Neither do I think it reasonable for a woman to crawl into that space to commit suicide. So I think this was pretty, like, to, like, work your way into there. It wasn't like you're just going to, like, fall into this hole. Like, it would have been hard to get into there. He listed the cause of death as being suffocation based on a piece of fabric, possibly from a sweater that was in her mouth. He also said that the body would still have to have been warm when it was placed into the tree because the the space in the elm was so small. He said it would be hard or even impossible um, to put a body in there that was in rigor mortis once that had set in. Oh, yeah, because it would be stiff. It would be too stiff. So he did believe that she was alive or maybe had just died by the time she was placed in there. Maybe it was so tight, too, she couldn't even take a full breath, even if she could breathe. Right. Yeah. I think she was all kind of like scrunched up. Yeah. This also meant that she more than likely had been killed close to the spot where she was found since it was in the woods. He stated that it seemed like whoever did it had local knowledge of the area, which obviously I would think would be true because if you kill someone, you're not going to drag their body just randomly into the woods. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And to like randomly find one tree that's perfectly going to fit a body in there. I think you would have to have prior knowledge of the area as well as that tree being there. Especially if you plan to dispose of a body. Because if it was kind of like an accidental thing and you could just kind of leave it and make it look like maybe she got attacked by animals or somebody else. Right. Someone's definitely trying to cover something So you are trying to cover it up. Right. Because, I mean, who knows when or if she would have been found if these boys hadn't been in the woods. Right. Because she was, I mean, it was, these boys really had to work about getting that skull up what they thought was an egg i mean they really had to work at it so she was really down there the police contacted local dentists because the woman had a distinct protruding tooth that um police hoped that a dentist would recognize so it was a very like distinct tooth that was kind of like sticking out so they kind of contacted all these local dentists and there were no dentists in the area or in like miles around the area that recognized any of this police also went through missing persons reports to see if anyone had put out a description with this protruding tooth in but nothing turned up and they also looked at shoes because there was a shoe found with the body they also looked at the type of shoe that was made and they traced it to a place called waterfoot company in lancashire and they found the owners of all of these shoes um, except for about six pairs of them that had been sold. They traced these pairs to have been sold at a local market. So they found everyone but the owners of six pairs of these. I think it's amazing how they can just like, especially in like the 40s, mm-hmm. track down who bought what pair of shoes. Because it's not like you yeah, like the debit card statements or anything. Well, even now, can you go to like a pay list and be like, who bought these shoes from you? 
things weren't i feel like things weren't as mass produced as they are now now it's really hard like my flip-flops that i buy at target for three dollars like no one's gonna be able to track those they'd have to go to target and like get the security tape but they would have have to to know it was you from target first of all yeah so yeah so things are like my i remember my grandma used to talk about my mom used to talk about like going to places downtown and buying shoes like these little like mom and pop stores where they came from so not my mom was not born in the 40s she was not alive in the 40s but my grandma was and you weren't going to places like walmart or target or you know where these things are mass produced where it's really hard to track you're going to these like smaller stores where they only have a certain amount that are being made and then they're being sold in these local markets and I guess the local shopkeepers probably know everybody in the community that right. comes around and, and probably no shoes, but I guess it's a little more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a little easier then. So the trail went cold from here and the police really started to hit a brick wall with nothing else to go on. Also, this was during the war and they kind of had split attention. And unfortunately, this right. kind of just got pushed to the side of like, we can't deal with this right now. We don't know what else to go on and we are literally being bombed every day so yeah we have bigger fish to fry at the moment (laughs) yeah so eventually the what they called the tree murder riddle faded away and was pretty much forgotten until six months later and this brings us to christmas of 1943 and that is when a message appeared and messages began appearing what would become um, very known in this case and the phrase that is very known in this case the first message popped up on a house, and it said, who put Lou Bella down the witch elm? So it was oh. Lou Bella. And in the following months, more messages started popping up. All were written in the same handwriting, and they all started to say the same thing, which was, who put Bella in the witch elm? And that was the first name, besides Lou Bella, but Bella being that the most common that was used. That was the first name that the police really had anything to go on. So they thought that maybe it was someone who knew who killed Bella. And we're going to call her Bella from now on, not just the skeleton of the body. We're going to call her Bella. Um, So they thought that maybe it was someone who knew who had killed Bella or maybe someone, maybe it was the person who had actually done it and they were taunting the police. But messages kept appearing over the years into the late 1940s, but the police couldn't figure out who the writer was and Bella remained unknown. I think it was probably somebody that either did it or knew what happened to her. Because I feel like if it was somebody that knew her, like they would, they would have given the name up like months ago when they found her. Like, yeah, her name's Bella. Like, I think it was people just playing around. That's my theory. You think so? Yeah. I think it was probably, I think it was probably like teenagers or kids. Like you think about something that becomes this well known and just this like mystery and I like to me it just feels like a teenage thing to do of just start like graffiti spray paint something <laughs> like kind of you know kind of becoming almost this, almost this like urban legend type of thing so yeah I think it was probably just a joke but there are a lot of theories that have kind of sprung from this about what happened to Bella so we're gonna talk about some of those and the first is magic and Maybe this was because she was found in the Witch Elm or in a place called Hagley Wood that just kind of has this kind of like darker, kind of mysterious air to it. Um, But there was a theory that came out that said Bella had been a victim of black magic. And there was a professor named Margaret Murray. 
She was an Egyptologist, archaeologist, anthropologist, historian, and folklorist. I'm pretty sure I want her job. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She was also the first woman lecturer in archaeology in the UK and worked at the College of London, which that doesn't really have anything to do with the story, but I thought that was really cool. and But I mean, it adds credibility to her, you know, like she's a professional. She knows what she's talking about. Yeah. And a lot of her research was focused on what was called the witch cult hypothesis. And this said that witches were real. They were an actual cult that worshipped the horned god of fertility who Christians see as the devil. So I think this was kind of like the pagan the pagan look at it, the horned god of fertility. Yeah. Christians, we see it as the devil. And members of this quote-unquote cult, witch cult, worshipped the horned god and participated in nocturnal rites at the witch Sabbath and honored the horned god. And this hypothesis hypothesis said that the witch trials of the early modern period, which was from 1580 to 1630, were meant to get rid of these witches. So remember, the European witch trials were a lot earlier than we had here in the United States. So this theory was pioneered by several people before Margaret Murray, but it gained a lot of attention when she presented her version of it in what was called the Witch Cult in Western Europe, and she published this in 1921. In this book, she said that the accusations that were made toward people in Europe as being witches were actually real, and there were actual covens, there was actual magic that was going on, and there was worshipped of worship of this horned god. This theory has been widely discredited over the years, but at the time it was a big deal and became a big point of interest in this case. So this all ties back to Bella in the Witch Elm because Murray thought that because Bella's right hand was gone and the bones were scattered, so she's saying the bones were scattered, that pointed to an occult ceremony that was called the, quote, Hand of Glory. So the Hand of Glory is basically, it's a ceremony that removes the hand of the victim and there's a ritual that's performed that gives whoever has this hand special powers. So that's why she's saying that the hand was removed. And also Murray tied this back to another case that she thought involved witchcraft when a man named Charles Walton was stabbed and pinned down with his own pitchfork in a nearby village and his hand was removed. And oh, also, God. yeah, also Hagley Woods, where the skeleton was found, where Bella was found, was said to have ties to the occult. And Murray thought that because Bella was inside the tree and not buried, indicated that her murder had been more of a ritual. And the theory started that Bella had committed some crimes against her coven and was killed for it. And it's actually one of the more popular popular theories with her today. However, Margaret Margaret Murray and her theory about witches has been very discredited, like I said, over the years. And the police didn't really believe any of this. And they dismissed this theory and they said really the only reason why her hand was found away from her body with the bones scattered was because animals had gotten to her and there was no ritual that was performed. And this hand of glory didn't exist, didn't mean anything, which I kind Mm -hmm. of agree with because... No one had the hand. You would think that... Well, if it was scattered around, it's like, why didn't they keep the hand in? How come it's scattered around? If you keep it because it gives you more powers, then I'd keep it close to me, even though I don't want to be carrying around anybody's hand. (laughs) Exactly. No, this hand was just found buried. So, and her theory has been very discredited, but I thought it was an interesting theory. And it's a big theory for this case. 
And it's the witch elm. It's so. the witch elm. So I think that's, like I said, there's that mysterious kind of feeling you get about the witch elm and Hagley Woods. And she makes like, a good story. It makes a good story. Sometimes people like the stories better than what actually happened. Right. And so the second biggest theory are this, and there's several of them, but they all kind of, they have the same vein to them. It's the spy theories. Not quite as cool as the magic theory, but this is the case of people thinking that Bella was actually a spy. So remember, this is during World War II, and there had been a lot of captured German spies in Britain at the time. And there were obviously spies that were working on both sides. So in 1953 really was when the line of thinking started that Bella was a spy. There was a publication called the Wolverhampton Express and Star, and they received a letter from a woman who would only call herself Anna, and she said that she knew exactly what happened to Bella, and Bella had been part of a spy ring looking for locations of muni- bleh, munition <laughs> factories. Okay. Munitions. <laughs> Bella had been a part of a spy ring looking for locations of munition factories. Does she have accomplishments? Accomplishments. Because I couldn't talk last time. <laughs> this, is, this is your turn not to talk. <laughs> it's mine. Um, later, Anna was identified as a woman who was named Una Mossop. She said that her husband, Jack, who was in the Royal Air Force, had actually witnessed a woman's death that could have been Bella. Una said that her husband told her he became involved in a spy ring with a man known only as Van Rolt, who was Dutch. Jack passed information about um, weapon factories onto Van Rolt, who then passed them onto a Dutch woman who was part of the spy ring. It was said that the woman may have posed as a cabaret dancer, but Una never got the name and could never give anybody a name. Jack said that he had witnessed Van Rolt strangle this woman because of her spy associations and that she was put down a tree. There's also a second version of this where Jack and Van Rolt had been drinking with this woman and who is possibly Bella and that she got so drunk and she passed out and the two men decided to put her down the tree to teach her a lesson, hoping that she'd wake up in the morning and realize what she'd done. But because she couldn't climb out, she died. Like, don't teach people lessons. Let them drink however much they want to drink. Make sure they get home safely. That's how you teach her a lesson. It also doesn't explain the fabric that was stuffed into her mouth that they said caused her to strangle. So no one really knows which version is true. And Una is really looked at being this estranged wife who's kind of talking hearsay and telling lies about her husband. What we do know is that her husband, Jack, was admitted to St. George's Hospital in Stafford before the skeleton was found in the Witch Elm. But apparently, Jack kept having nightmares about a woman in a tree and kept seeing this face in his dreams, like this face coming out of a tree in his dreams. This led him to a complete total breakdown, and he eventually died in the hospital. And this Van Rolt person was never found. But we do know that there was a Jack Monson that did die in his hospital and went kind of crazy, he said, from dreams. I want to say are connected somehow then. I don't know. In 1968, there was an author named Donald McCormick, and he published a book called Murder by Witchcraft, which makes it sound like he settled on the witch theory, but 
he settled just the opposite. He believed that Bella was a woman named Clarabella Dronkers, and she was a spy placed in Birmingham to gather intel. Years after McCormick's theory came out, the MI5 files were disclassified. And MI5 is like our CIA here in the States. So just think of it along those lines. And their files were James Bond works, right? And it's not called M15. <laughs> and I and one M- are different. Five. So the files were declass- declassified. And we have the name of a man named Joseph Jacobs. And he was a German spy. He was captured in 1941 when he broke his ankle parachuting into Cambridgeshire. Cambridgeshire, one of those. He was found by local farmers and he was turned in. So either he broke his ankle parachuting out or he landed really wrong and he broke his ankle, landed, couldn't go anywhere, started screaming and yelling. So these farmers found him and turned him in. He had a photo with him of a woman named Clara. I can't even pronounce her last name. It's Clara B-A-U-E-R-L-E. Bowerly? 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 I am so sorry. I'm American and I can't call her Clara B. We're going to call her Clara. Clara B. And she was a German actress and cabaret singer. Jacob said that she was his lover and recruited as a German spy by the Third Reich, which, way to go to throw your girl under the bus. Jacobs like he just like <laughs> has his picture with him and he's like yep that's my girlfriend she's a spy too well that one guy thought that the girl was like posing as like a cabaret mm-hmm. dancer singer mm-hmm. performer I should performer. say okay Jacobs said that Clara had parachuted into the West Midlands in 1941 and disappeared and this was the same area around the same time that Bella would have ended up in the tree, which was October 1941. That was the same tentative time as Bella's death. Did they have like women paratroopers back then? They did and stuff. Like they I know there were they a lot of spies. like nurses and stuff in the war. Because I, I guess so. I guess there was a lot of like female involvement mm-hmm. back then. Side note: If you okay. want to read a really, really, really good book, and I kind of want to do a podcast on this at some point, um, it's called The Alice Network. And it is, it's fiction, but it's also a true story. There was actually a network called the Alice Network of British female spies during World War II posing as Did German. Did they have like a Netflix show on this? Possibly. I just or read the something. book and it is wonderful. It follows a fictional character, but a lot yeah. of the characters in there, the actual like women spies that they talk about in this Alice Network were actual people. So yeah, oh, nice. that's, if you want a really good book to read, it's about British um, women spies and it is fantastic. I loved it. I read it in like a weekend, um, the Alice Network. So there were spies. Um, I know there were British spies that were female. I'm sure there were German spies that were female as well. Back to Jacobs. Unfortunately, he was executed on August or in August 1941 without giving any more information on Clara. And he was actually the last person to be executed at the Tower of London. Oh. Mm-hmm. So seems like this could be a really good possibility that Bella is actually Clara, the female spy. However, there are two really big pieces of evidence that kind of debunk that. Damn it, because I was going to say that you have like some people that are kind of like coming at you from different angles here. It was all kind of pointing to that. They all kind of connect like with this woman who's a singer, a cabaret dancer, entertainer. And also a spy. Also a spy. (laughs) 
For one, Clara was about five feet, 10 inches, and the skeleton of Bella was found to only be five feet tall. So that's a pretty big difference. It's not just, yeah, you're missing like 10 inches there. You're missing almost a foot. So more importantly, Clara was found to have died in Berlin in a hospital December 1942. Oh, well, that debunks that theory. That debunks that. There are some people say that you can easily fake records like that. If someone's trying to cover up the identity of a spy, that could have been covered up. But you can't really cover up and fake how tall somebody is. So right, that's a pretty big check mark against it. There is another kind of weird occurrence that leads to the spy theory. There's a man named Peter Douglas Osborne. He was a counselor in Birmingham. And when he was a boy, he said he remembers being told a story from his dad when they were walking around together in Hagley Woods. And this was after Bella was found. And his dad told him that when Bella's remains were found in the Witch Elm, he had been home on leave. And before he had worked, um, before he was in the war, he had worked as a special constable. And because of this, he was the one chosen to watch over Bella's remains in the tree overnight. So he was told to stay overnight just to watch the remains because they weren't going to remove her right away. And after the I'm war... I'm glad you said right away. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? She's still there? No. No. <laughs> She's just hanging out. <laughs> after the war, Peter's dad met two RAF pilots. And this is, RAF is the Royal, Royal Air Force. He was traveling in Italy. And him and the men got to talking on the train. And Peter's dad told them about his night in Hagley Woods, watching over the body of Bella in the witch elm. And the pilot said that they had seen a file that sounded a lot like his story and the file had been linked to a body. And the file was on a woman who had been involved in spying during the war and that had been executed during the war. And the file talked about this woman and how she had very distinctive teeth just like Bella's remains. Oh. Yeah. And the pilot said that the dental records on the spy had matched the ones that they had on Bella. So remember, the police investigating this couldn't find any dentist in Britain that couldn't match those records. So that could mean a couple of things. It could mean that Della's, Della's, that could mean that Uh Bella's dental records weren't from Britain. She could have been from a whole other different country or the matches could have been completely covered up because she was involved in the spy ring. Also interesting, Peter, when he was an adult, he later asked his dad about this encounter, and his dad made a complete 180 and was like, I had nothing to do with it. I don't know anything that had going that went on, and I don't want to talk about it. So before, we, when he had kind of wanted to talk about it and talk about that night, he was suddenly just like, nope, I don't want to talk about it at all. It didn't happen. I had nothing to do with it. So somebody higher up sent, gave him a phone call or sent him a text message right. or a letter or something. I mean, not text message because the forties, but if he maybe realized that there was a cover up, maybe he's just like, it's safer if I just don't talk about this. Like, I'm not going to say anything it. to anybody. Yeah. Right. So what a coincidence though. He meets one other person like, cause I imagine not a lot of people would know about this. Right. Or maybe some, maybe they did. I mean, you could look at it and be like, maybe the pilots know about it. Yeah, and for this town, it's like this little mystery that there's a body in a tree, mm-hmm. but the spy network is probably like, oh, crap, man. Like, shh, nobody say nothing. Yeah. So those are the two main theories. There are a couple little ones. Obviously, the witchcraft and the spy theory are the biggest ones. 
Some people believe that Bella was really just a woman with a transient life, and that would make it hard for her to be tracked down. So maybe nobody knew that she had died. Maybe she didn't have family. You think about somebody who's maybe kind of wandering around, isn't really going to have connections. But even so, if she was killed, because I still think she was killed. I don't think it was suicide. I don't think it was accidental. Like, if she was a homeless or transient or whatever, I still think they would have taken her wedding ring. Mm -hmm. Just to leave a valuable piece of jewelry on you, I mean, to anybody that does kill her, it's valuable. You could trade it in for money. And, I mean, again, the war is going on. You, Everything's rationed. You probably want some money. Exactly. So. Um, In August 2014, BBC Radio 4 theorized that Bella was a sex worker who worked the streets of Hagley Road. I guess there was a woman named Bella who had who is documented as being a sex worker in the area, but disappeared around 1941. Obviously sex workers are forgotten people. They are preyed upon by others because nobody thinks anyone's going to miss them. No one's going to look for them. They're just going to kind of be able to disappear. But kind of like you said, like, I don't want to say anything against sex workers, but I would think it would be odd that they would have a wedding ring on. Um, Yeah. And like you said, especially during the war. Or maybe she, if she was married or something, or maybe she just wore it just to keep attention yeah. away from her or something. I mean, you could do that yeah, too. It's, I, I was thinking about myself. I, it would be easy for me to go to Walmart and buy, buy a ring, buy something that looks like yeah. a diamond ring and stick it on my finger. When I worked for attorneys and had to go to the um, courthouse a lot, I hated being in elevators with people. Like I hate being in elevators with people anyway, (laughs) but I had a ring that I would wear and it was this really pretty like pearl diamond ring that was fake. It wasn't real. I bought it some jewelry show. I would take it and move it over onto my left finger a lot of times to make it look like I was married. So that's really easy. Just so people leave you alone. Right. So people leave you alone. So I think a lot of people look at this ring and think she was married, but it's like she could have, somebody could have given it to her. She could have found it she could have just had it on her finger so no one bothered her yeah she could have just put it on her finger because she liked wearing it on her left ring finger but also like you said it is during war and money's probably going to be pretty tight people are rationing so i do think it is odd that somebody would have it wasn't stolen that it wasn't stolen also uh gypsies had been known to camp around hagley woods around the time that bella died so some people thought maybe she was a gypsy and she had died or was killed by someone in that gypsy community i think that gypsies kind of fall in line of like kind of people on the outskirts of society and yeah. it's kind of like easy to blame the gypsy tribes and gypsy communities they kind of get a bad rap, get a bad well, I mean, rap. it's very nomadic they i just are. travel around van life it back in the day they are so and i remember i mean i remember being in italy and i don't have anything against gypsies at all but i remember being in italy and being told like watch your pockets on the subway like just watch what you've got because there are gypsies that will they'll steal from you and not i'm we'll probably cut this out because it sounds like i'm coming down hard on gypsies but they are also very easy to blame in situations like this just because they are outskirt they are on the outskirts of society so I don't right. really go for that. But I guess there's no proof that she wasn't a gypsy. Some people said that Bella had worked at a local bar and she'd been killed by an American soldier, which could be true. I, I don't know. It's just one of the theories out there. The saddest theory is that Bella was a homeless woman who was killed and there was nobody there to report her, which I guess goes with the transient life. But 
But again, if she, I mean, she was killed, but why dispose of the body in the tree? Why not just like leave it in the woods for animals to get or or something? I mean, why, why go through all that trouble to hide it? Unless the person that killed her, like really did not want her to be found for some reason. Why was she killed? Why was she killed? And who did it? Like, that's like, we have all these theories, but it's kind of like, well, nobody can answer the question why she was killed and then stuffed down a tree. Um. In 2017, there was a forensic anthropologist named Caroline Wilkinson, and she was approached by a father and son who were authors named Alex and Pete Merrill, and they wanted to do a facial reconstruction of the photo of Bella's skull. Unfortunately, no one can locate the actual skull anymore. It's been passed to several people, but nobody knows where the skull is, so all we have are pictures of the skull. So they came to this... um, they came to this woman, to this, what was her name? They came to Caroline Wilkinson with this picture, and she said, yeah, she would do a reconstruction. They could do a reconstruction. Obviously, it's not as easy with a picture because it's 2D and not 3D, but they could still they could still find several features to be able to do a good reconstruction on her. Um And because of the pictures of the skull, they were in profile. They were able to get information such as figuring out the shape of her nose, her mouth size, how thick her lips were, and the shape of her jawline. And also because she had some hair still attached, they could guess kind of the length of the hair and guess a little bit about the hairstyle that she might have based on that. But more importantly was the protruding teeth. And usually they depict faces with their mouths closed when they do these reconstructions. Yeah. But because her teeth were such a distinct feature, they they did an open mouth facial reconstruction. And so the Merrills took this depiction and used it in a publication called Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm, Volume 1, The Crime Scene Revisited. So no one has yet to come forward recognizing her face at all, but at least there's something out there now and that at some point maybe somebody can recognize it. Maybe somebody will be going through pictures and say, hey, I recognize that face or that looks like so-and-so who my parents always talked about. Um, The whereabouts of Bella's remains are unknown and they are considered to be lost and nobody knows who wrote the graffiti that started popping up everywhere asking who put Bella down the witch elm. So I kind of have a section on like, what are your theories and what do you think? (laughs) But I did want to say, first of all, that what I think is kind of, this is a really, I think a cool case just because you've got this body in a tree, you've got, maybe she was a spy, maybe she was sacrificed. You've got all this kind of mix that's thrown in there but I think also because it's so sensational and because it's lasted for so long people kind of forget that this was a woman who died when it boils down to it that somebody died and she's kind of been forgotten in all this and more than likely she was murdered I would say like 99.9 percent she was murdered and you wonder did her murder did whoever murder her receive any justice or did they do it again? So right. I think that's important to remember too. What are your theories? That was the one of the questions I was going to ask. Well, do we still have her bones today? No. Because can they do, or her hair even, that would be so good. We could do like DNA and see maybe if she was like 
English, if she was like German or like where she was or from, Italian maybe or just, Polish or American yeah. or something. And especially in World War II, when you have like spies and everything's all coming into question, mm-hmm. at least you can maybe know like her lineage or just a little something about her. And if she was like, say she was German, you go to Germany and start looking, you know, mm-hmm. like just go there and put out the right the dental records and stuff. Also, because this was unfortunately she died during war. And so I think right. there was there was so much going on. Probably a lot of records were lost. There were a lot of people, a lot of transient people. You have people who were escaping over right. into Britain. So I thought maybe that could be a possibility of why no one has recognized her. She could have escaped and come yeah. over into Britain. Her family could be totally gone. Her family, there were yeah. so many bombings that were going on, even if she was even just from London. I mean... There were bombings going on all the time. Like her family could be totally gone. Maybe she came over from Poland. Maybe she came over from France and her whole family could be lost. So that's why maybe she wasn't identified. And plus like during a war, it almost seems like the perfect opportunity to do something like that because you have multiple opportunities to point the fingers at other people or situations. Right. Like to blame it. So it's, it's kind of like, a perfect cover-up. Yeah. I mean, and also, in wartime, you're seeing spies everywhere. You are cautious around everybody because it's a war and you don't know. What do they say? Like, they said the British said several things like, like loose lips sink ships or right. like things like that were big sayings to be like, careful what you say because you really don't know who you're talking to. So... I think maybe that's why I think the spy theory is interesting and I think there's a lot of kind of cool evidence, but I'm not really convinced that she is a spy because none of it really fits together into one story. Yeah, this here says the blitz that happened against London and Britain was in 1940 and 1941. So that's like the perfect time. Like maybe her family did get killed and then she... If she died in what, 1941, I think? October 1941 is about when they estimated it. Um, So, yeah, that could be why she was never, that's could be why she was never identified. Um, The question is why? Like, why was she killed? I think that's the biggest question is why was she killed? One huge question that I had was this Lord, what was his name? Cobham? Cobham? Where did I find that? Cobb, Cobb something. But yeah, like, what's his role in all of this? They found a body in a tree on his land. Like, is he, has he made any kind of statement or has he been looked at at all? Nothing. I, I Googled his name. I was trying to find something about where he made a statement. I'm like, I'm sure that they talked to him. I'm sure that they talked to his staff or household. Because that would be the first place that you would look. But I can't find anything on him. If somebody out there listening has some information on him, I would love to read it. Maybe I just looked over it. But that would be my first thought of you have this woman who's found in a very remote part of the forest in a freaking tree that she's put in this tree. You have the medical examiner himself saying whoever put her there knew the area. They had to have some knowledge of the area. I wonder if it's somehow connected to the owner of that land. I don't know. I need to know more about him. I do too. Maybe he has some kind of high connections too. 
Yeah, that was my big question mark I had for this case because even like if she was if she worked in a bar and was killed by a soldier or she was just killed by somebody in an altercation, I think what sets this apart and points away for that from that is where she was found. I don't think it was I think the person who did it had to have some kind of connection or knowledge to that witch elm, to Hagley Woods, to right. know where to take her. I mean, if it was even if it was a case of, and it's tragic that this happened, but like a soldier of any military or just somebody drunk, I don't know, like just kidnaps a woman, like rapes her and kills her in the woods or something, you're going to have to know about that tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, otherwise you would just leave her. I mean, I mean, it could be anybody because say it was a soldier on one side and they did that to her. They could easily just point the finger at literally anybody else. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have any way of proving who did it. Yeah. So why go through the trouble of stuffing her in a tree or looking around to find the tree to stuff her in? Mm -hmm. Or they could just bury her where she is in the woods. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure people aren't going to go around digging up holes in the middle of the woods during World War II. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the big question I have. Um, Maybe not necessarily who she is, even though that has become the big question of it. And it's really been lost of... Well, somebody actually did this. Somebody actually murdered her. Who was it? Who hit her there? I wonder if she was like a spy and like the meeting point was like the witch elm. So maybe it was like, hey, meet me here at this day and time with this information. And then they take the opportunity to kill her and put her in the witch elm. Yep, that's a possibility. Some people also thought that the fabric that was found in her mouth was from a parachute. Right. And that was from her oh, yeah. parachuting in. Um, and that she just somehow ended up in the tree. Did they have it? Oh, I know that you said that like the cause of death was suffocation, but there wasn't any like bullet wound or anything in the skull or no. like marks or anything to the Mm-mm. to note any like violent behavior. They didn't find anything on the skull or the bones or anything that like no bullet ru- wounds, no knife wounds, nothing where she was like anything was like cut off. So yeah, yeah, there was nothing on the bones, which it would make sense if she did die from suffocation. But also, if a spy, if it was like spy versus spy and somebody did kill her, I feel like they would use a gun or a knife. I mean, it's simple. It's direct. It's right there. It's easy. Yeah, possibly. Or they didn't want to draw attention. Well, then I would cut her throat or something. Like, I would use a knife. Maybe they didn't have a knife. If I'm walking around in the woods, I'm having a knife. Smart. So, yep. That's 75 years later. And we are still asking who put Bella in the witch elm. And you know what? I don't think we'll ever know because we don't have the bones. No. So we can't do forensics anymore. No. And even if somebody does come forward and like confesses or says they know or whatever, I don't think we're going to have a lot of, you're not going to be able to prove it very easily. It's not like you're going to have a lot of documentation or anything that can lead it to it. Unless maybe somebody just has a picture of her, a photograph, and it's like Antebella, 1937 on the back or something. It's like, oh, this was a picture ever taken a few years ago. And it's her. Well, her and also her name could be Margaret for all we know. Like, yeah, I mean, who where did says Bella? Bella come from? You know, who started writing Bella? Was that I still think it was teenagers. I think it was just a joke and yeah. somebody just picked a name. But no, I don't. I mean, even if somebody comes forward with a picture and is like, here's my aunt, here is my grandma, whatever. I don't think yeah, we're good. there's gonna nothing be so hard. without the skull. There's nothing to really tie it to anything because they don't have the skull and we I mean we talked about in your um ice mummies 
Right. Obviously, they were more preserved than she was. But could we now, if we still had that hair, could we now test that hair and figure oh, out, probably. like, okay, these are indicators of her ancestry. Put it through something like yeah. what we run our ancestry DNA from. Could they find some kind of match? Could they say she came from this region of Italy? You know, we could do so much more now these days if we had the bones if we or had would somebody match up to her through familial DNA again I talked about that in the mummy thing how they were using the German mummies from the, they call them the baron well, yeah. in the castle and they just perfected that I mean she may have living relatives today that they could mm-hmm. trace back and she, she'd be somebody's because she, she had a baby so who knows if that baby is alive or dead today mm-hmm. she could be somebody's like you know great grandmother or something or grandmother today well 1941 it wasn't that long ago when they said she was 35 years old in 1941 yeah so, so that kind of lends itself to conspiracy theorists who say, well, her skull wasn't lost. It was quote lost hidden and to kind yeah. of preserve if she was part of a spy network to kind of preserve that network. I don't know. I think the spy thing is probably the, it's the one that has the most evidence pointed toward it. But at the same time, I wonder if it could be a thing where if somebody like, like almost like a confirmation bias where if somebody hears a part of the story and then they hear something else that's like it, they link the two like mm-hmm. on purpose. There's really no link that exists, but in their minds, they link them. There are some names that link and there's yeah. like the cabaret dancer or the entertainer. And it's just, and it's like, wait a minute. I knew a cabaret dancer. Her name was Bella too or right. something. So therefore, I mean, they probably just adopted any name. I mean, right. A lot of exotic dancers today, they don't, go up there and use their real names on stage they pick a different name and and a lot of people do it for a profession and it's good money so (laughs) i don't know i my mind almost goes to the simplest thing of maybe there was just an altercation i still just can't get it out of my mind about the owners of hagley estate and that i can't find anything on that so to me that would be the simplest explanation of something happened with somebody on that estate connected to that estate they knew where to hide her they stuck her in there and they left that would make i think the most sense because if you have the big estate you know there's a lot of woods or something maybe she was an employee employee there like maybe she worked there maybe somebody had to beef with her but then somebody would have recognized her or the baron guy the lord of the estate told everybody to keep their mouth shut that's true again we don't know his side of the story either so Mm -hmm. I think I need more information for this one. This one is just one where I need to know. Oh, man, did I not do it well I, enough? I did s- I not do enough research? No, no, no. No, for me to, no. I mean, for me to come up with a conclusion of what I think happened. Like, I want to see a map of the estate and where this tree is located in relation to where bars are. So if anybody, <laughs> like, gets drunk and, like, walks off with this cabaret answer, like, how did you jump in the woods? Like, I want to hear a statement from the property owner's. Like a state, I want to know where he was at the time and all this. I just feel like if I was a police officer investigating the case, yeah, I couldn't say what happened either until I had a little few more pieces that we don't have. Mm-hmm. But of the theories that you mentioned, I feel like the spy theory is the one that would make the most sense. I'm not sold on it. I think that everyone was seeing spies at that time everywhere, and it's just probably kind of fun <laughs> to talk about spies. I mean, I don't think it's witchcraft, and I don't think it's some kind of weird sacrificial ritual. No, I don't either. She could have just been a woman that come across in, uh, like the wrong man or something, and he just did something to her, because people do that, because they're evil. I tend to think she wasn't from the area, and that's why 
There's no dentist yeah. that can match your dental records. There were no missing right. persons reports that were filed. Um, it's wartime. You know, a lot of records, too, might have been destroyed in all these bombings. Because right. my grandfather's, on my mom's side, there was a fire at a place in Virginia where all of his military records were stored. So we lost a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, during the war, things are getting burned down and bombed all the time. Yeah. And you talked about the uh, woman that died in the hospital. And I'm like, well, you know, she could have died in the hospital. But if those hospital records are gone, lost in the war, then yeah. who's to really say? Yep. So, unfortunately, I don't think we will find out. Oh, poor woman, though. Yeah. Like, I really would like to know it. Do you have the facial reconstruction mm-hmm. image? Yeah. Oh, I want to see it. I can't wait to yeah, see I it. it. I also have a picture of her skull, but I won't post that because yeah. it's very graphic. But yeah, I found the facial reconstruction. But you'll send that to me, right? Yes, yes you can see that. You can Google <laughs> this. You can, I have a picture okay, of good. which home. Which home I try crazy. not to because I have my computer next to me and I'm like, I want to Google this right <laughs> here. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to Google. <laughs> poor Bella. I wonder, I wonder her. Who put Bella in the witch you know, home? We're all wondering that. Who put Bella Why? in the witch home? Those boys, too. Like, the boys that found her, like, they didn't know that they were going to kick no. off this huge mystery. No, I feel kind of bad for them. I'm glad that they said something, though, because they're like, we're not going to say anything. So I'm glad that they did say <laughs> something about it. Right. Okay. So that's all I have for this one. Who put Bella, who put Bella, in, Bella in the witch home? If you have any thoughts, email us at darkersideoflifepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter at, at DSOL Podcast. Instagram, Darker Side of Life Podcast. Shoot us a DM. <laughs> Slide into our DMs and tell us what you think. Yeah. Who do you think put Bella down the witch home? If you think it was maybe she was a spy, maybe you think it was some kind of hand of glory sacrifice and they just forgot to take the hand with them. Um, yeah, let us know what you think what you think about it. Or a new theory maybe that we didn't cover. Maybe you have some thoughts. Maybe you have read something about this lord of Hagley estate that I couldn't find where maybe he was totally cleared of this because I still don't know what to think about him. I don't either. I'd really wish I like we heard from him. Call us. <laughs> Call us. We don't have a phone number. <laughs> call me no uh, <laughs> i meant he should call us but he's probably long gone call russia <laughs> call russia call england call Hagley woods all right so thank you for joining us and we will see you next time bye bye Oh my God, I got to go back to kindergarten and get the letter people again to help me out.